The Social Screenwriters Podcast. The Social Screenwriters Podcast. The Social Screenwriters Podcast. Where Andy talks to people he met on the internet. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the Social Screenwriters Podcast. I am your host, Andy Compton, and this is episode three. We did episode one, we did episode two, and now we're up to number three. And I got to tell you, it's starting to go to my head. I'm starting to feel like I am a podcast extraordinaire. I'm a visionary. Um, I'm the future, basically. No, I'm just kidding. I still suck. Uh, but anyway, that's not the point. So I just wanted to take a second to say that um, thank you to everyone who's listened so far. We've already got like more than 500 I think now it's at like 558 total streams and like we have like 106 followers on Spotify and that's just amazing for only doing this for like maybe two months um yeah I just want to say thank you and you know if you guys are listening on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you're listening if you could give us a follow that would be super cool I'd appreciate it Um, but yeah, just really, really loving the support and I'm really, really having a good time doing this and I'm just glad that you guys are getting something out of it. So thank you. Um, and we're going to hop right into the episode today. We have a very, very special guest. Uh, this is a person who's pretty beloved, I think in the community and why wouldn't he be? He's a very pleasant dude and a talented writer. This is David L. Williams who, as you'll hear in the episode, uh, was recently repped. And I'll let him tell you more about that, but uh, we're kind of on similar timelines. I think I got repped like literally a week before him. Um, So it's pretty exciting. We share a lot of uh, the same feelings about where we're at career-wise, and I think it made for a really cool conversation. So without further ado, let's hop right in. Thank you guys for listening. Here we go. And I have a great guest today that I'm very excited to meet. We don't know each other at all outside of Twitter, just as like maybe 99% of the people that I'm going to interview on this show. Um, But this today is David L. Williams. Hey, David. What's up, man? It's great to meet you. It's great to meet you too, man. Great to put a face to the Twitter name. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of yours, so it's, it's, it is also cool to it's also cool to, to like put a voice to the the Twitter name as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I know it's weird that we're actually people on the other end of those Twitter handles. Like, it's so goofy. Bizarre. Yeah. Bizarre. I'm not sign up for that at all. No. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I just want to be a robot on the internet. But um, yeah, man, it's really cool to meet you and. Uh, I mean, you have a lot of cool things going on right now. So uh, let's hop into it, man. Uh, The first thing that I want to ask you, how'd you get into screenwriting? Uh, So long time ago, I worked at, um, man, it's it's a combination of things, but basically the moment for me was when I was working at Blockbuster many, many eons ago. I I had loved writing by then. Like as a kid, I was, I wrote a lot of short stories. Um, I was really big into Twister as a kid. I was like, uh, and I, I drew literally stick figures that were like graphic novels for like 90 pages, like a page was a minute growing uh-huh. up as a kid, uh, super weird, but I loved writing poetry, all that stuff. And I was working at Blockbuster. I saw a trailer for Blade Runner because that was like the 25th anniversary for the movie. 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, that looks really, that looks like the kind of weird shit I want to write. Like sci-fi, noir, damp, just, just, just terrible conditions, very brooding characters, mm-hmm. you know, lots of, lots of thought provoking going on. Yeah. And uh, I saw the movie and I was like, I, this is what I want to do. Uh, and at that point I had no clue. I was about 19. I, I had no idea that people got paid to write movies for some reason. Mm-hmm. And I was like, people, what, what is this? How is this legal? <laughs> so I looked it up and I was like, is this, is this a real life? Yeah. It turns out it is. Uh, and I looked up, you know, what's funny is that when I started, like my first script ever is a sequel to Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I never looked up screenwriting software. So my first script was like in a word doc about 160 pages, just like manually doing the margins, oh manually moving character voices. It's chaos, dude. You properly did all the margins. and Oh my God, I can't. Because I would think like, you know, if someone wrote a whole script in Word and it was all left aligned, I wouldn't really hate on them for it. Because I think, I'm not sure, but I think that's how playwriting is like it's mostly left aligned, I think. Yeah, it is. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh my gosh, man. That's a tremendous amount of work. Dude, I was dedicated. I I was, I was I loved it. I loved every second of it. It was a terrible script, but like I I got going. And then once I once I kicked it off, I just kept going. I wrote something in college. We had an assignment. I wrote a Western in college. And I wrote this really indie thing um, about these two guys who were getting ready to go to a party like the like it was just like super indie took place in one day uh, i'll never forget that experience and um just kept writing like a maniac and so I you saw, wrote you wrote super bad before super bad came out look man look <laughs> <laughs> that's where they got the inspiration that's where they got the inspiration yeah, look, they're, just, all I'm saying, they're welcome that's all i'm saying dude I'm not, I'm not <laughs> that's really generous that was a pretty successful movie so i mean second yeah. script you you hit them with that that's pretty cool Elder bro yeah i know uh, <laughs> So, uh, you know, Seth, call me back. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, so I wrote for many, many years. I'm one of those people that, like, you know, took me forever to get good. You know, this is because I was doing it at such a young age. I knew nothing. I was just, like, throwing random shit. Yes. <laughs> like, you know, things that make no sense that don't exist. Uh, I sucked for seven years. And then I finally started getting kind of decent. And I met some friends online, um, including my, one of my best friends, or my absolute best friend, Jason Gruich. I met him, like, on his peer review website um and made some other friends and just like start to level up out of nowhere just like from sort of really paying attention to the feedback what people were asking for i was really inspired by some other writers voice and then you know i mean and long story short kept going kept going kept going and now i'm now i'm here after many years of writing that's dope man that's awesome uh yeah you bring up a good point about how you said that you think it took you a long time because you were so young and you didn't have a lot to write about. You know, I have a, a theory about that too. I mean, they say the same about stand-up comedians. That it, of course it's good to start young because you'll be getting on stage and getting used to that whole thing, how to like control a crowd and everything. But as far as like your content, um, mm-hmm. you kind of have to live a little bit before you really have like a real point of view and something to say that's like interesting and relatable and insightful. Um, yeah. And I think the same is true for writing. And I almost think that I I had a little bit what I would call like maybe just a faster trip than some people, but I didn't really get into like writing, writing until I was like maybe close to 27. Mm. Um, and I feel like at that point, like life had kicked the shit out of me a few <laughs> times. And yeah. like, I finally had like these stories that I, 
could uh, that I wanted to tell. And I mean, don't get me wrong. My first few attempts at writing were still dog shit for like a few years. But yeah. like, I think compared to some of the people who I've talked to who are kind of like where we're at, um, uh, it took a little longer. But usually it's because it's like your case where it's like, yeah, I started when I was like 17. Yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah, when you're 17, you just don't. No, uh, and that's not also not to discourage anyone listening who's a teenager or anything, you know, yeah. who's writing. Uh, keep grinding it out and doing your thing because you're going to be better for it the earlier you start. Um, but there is something to, I think, having lived a little bit. And yeah, uh, you, you yeah. kind of have to you have to have a story to tell a story, I think mm-hmm. is kind of what it is. And and so when I when I say that, like there was that period when I finally started, it started to kind of click. I was about 27, 28 years old. And it's like, basically I, I had just started writing essentially mm-hmm. <laughs> like at that age. Like, and I, I had a, had a rough 27 and I, you know, lots of stories by then. So, but like at 19, it's like, you, you're just fabricating everything. Yeah. <laughs> everything. yeah. Or, or I think even at 19, you can have a, a story to tell. Maybe you did have like an eventful childhood uh, that is really interesting, but I think there's something to like, it, it takes a, a, a certain kind of 19 year old to be able to translate that yeah. uh, into a really interesting story and, you know, uh, just do it in an interesting way rather than Definitely. just straight up telling us the story. Yeah, and, you know, exactly. You bring up a good point. Cause like, you know, even at that age still, like if you have those experiences, chances are you're only going to write about those experiences and you know, mm-hmm. you don't know how to cleverly apply them to like cool concepts or like, yes. you know, put a fun spin on them. Craftsmanship is really like, it's, it's really a marathon for sure. For mm-hmm. most people, I'm sure there's some really lucky savants out there, but, um, you know, for, for people like myself, it's, 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 it's been, it's been quite the marathon. Oh yeah. And I mean, again, too, you know, uh, uh, I, I think I had like a, a little bit of an expedited trip, but also not that much. Like there was still a number of years of sucking and not understanding. And you bring up a really good point too of um, how to cleverly apply it to, you know, a, like a marketable concept mm-hmm. and things like that. Like whatever interesting emotional story that you're trying to tell, be it from your life or something you fabricated completely being able to interweave that with something that's also like a marketable concept. And I'm not saying that you need to make it like, you know, four quadrant fucking whatever, but, um, but also like you, you want it to be something that that log line hits, you know, it's like, Ooh, I want to watch that. That has a good hook. Um, yeah. But anyway, I think that's, uh, that's super cool though. And that's, it's so funny that you got started on a word on Microsoft word. (laughs) It's brilliant. (laughs) And, and yeah. then it was Word, and then it was uh, Celtics or Celtic, I don't know. And then yeah. my friend got me Final Draft way back in 2015. Now I use Fade In. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but that word, that word, I need to track it down too. I need to find that word, Doc. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be hilarious. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I think I started on uh, Celtics or Celtics. I also don't know how to say it. Know, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like most people, though, that's the starting ground. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, cool, man. Uh, so the next question I would usually ask people is, are you repped? But you have some super good news. Uh, you were recently repped at Gramercy Park Entertainment, correct? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, real quick, I want to give a shout out to you for just now getting repped with the Epicenter, I believe, Jared Murray. Yeah, man. Uh, Thank you so wow, much. That's, that's so badass. I'm so happy for you. Uh, and I, I love that we, it was around the same time, like we're on this journey together, you know, like, like I said, we 
screen around the same time? What was I? I think I was like, I think December of like 17th or something like that is when I got repped. I can't remember for sure. Wow. Uh, and you were what? Like I was the, like literally a week later. Like I yeah. know, like the 4th is when it was when it was like official. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. Thank you, man. And yeah, it's super cool that we're uh kind of getting in at the same time. It's really exciting stuff. Um, so could you kind of talk to me maybe about like that whole process? Like, how do you feel that you even got on their radar? Yeah, so um man, it's very interesting. Uh basically. I'll give you the short answer, and then I'll kind of get into more details later. But essentially, I I, I spiked that crazy nine out of ten on the blacklist, mm. and by then I already already had a rapport with Joey because I'd used some of the services in the past, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the one of the cool things I realized about getting a nine out of ten is that no one feels like they have to vet the script. <laughs> they're just yeah. like, oh, it must be good. And then they, you know, like there's there's, there's no like there's no middleman like they're just like obviously yeah. this is you know ready um, which is such and, a relief for people who have gone through the contest gauntlet and all oh that shit God. of trying to pr- prove like yes this is good what a freeing feeling though to be like yeah this is a nine out of ten so you really don't have to read it you know it's yeah, you don't have to, yeah. <laughs> like what yeah. an odd feeling but yeah anyway yeah. i'm sorry continue no yeah no for sure like um it was, it was just uh really cool so i hit up a bunch of people that i knew um kind of like you know, did some footwork. And one of those people obviously was, was Joey. And he was kind enough to, you know, shoot some shots with uh, uh, some reps and a lot of them requested it. Like I just like somewhere between 15 and 20 uh, requested oh, that, it. That's amazing. Yeah. That was just from Joey. So there's some people that like hit me up on blacklist. Some people that hit me up on Coverfly. Some mm-hmm. people hit me up on Twitter even. Yeah. Uh, read it. And yeah. um so that's, you know, meetings came from, from all different angles, but um, I would say the majority were from Joey just because just from the sheer volume of people that he, you know, threw darts at. Yep. <laughs> so yep. this is what you had to do, you know, because even then it's still getting passed on concept alone. And yeah. some people are like, I mean, you probably heard all the excuses of people who are like, oh, look, I have a client already writing crime thrillers. So Mm-hmm. you know pass it's like dude i have like five other scripts i can show you but yeah some people yeah some people are just like oh it's really good but like i'm not in love with the concept mm-hmm. uh so like i mean you and it just really depends on everyone's philosophy this, which is one thing I, I i learned about during you know during the process of meeting people like mm-hmm. big and small companies um it seems like every manager has like their own kind of philosophy for sure uh mm-hmm. and the, you know how some are more developmental they want to it's like a it's like a two-year plan in a way mm-hmm. others want to get your stuff out like right now mm-hmm. others are all about concept concept mm-hmm. is king period mm-hmm. uh if you don't if you don't bring in with that concept like they're not gonna they're not gonna waste you know theoretically waste their time so yeah. um and some people like some i met i met with one guy who his whole thing was like pulling ideas from like online from like reddit threads and stuff like that or like youtube videos or shorts or whatever short stories mm-hmm. like i don't think i don't think he ever, i don't think he even really wanted to push original you know concepts from the writer or anything like that i think his whole thing was like working Just with the writer of ideas purchasing the ip i guess sort of, like the guess, right to the yeah. ip and because uh, yeah. otherwise i'm thinking <laughs> my brain like I, I forgot about ip for a second and i was like so he just like his his foundation is plagiarizing <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, I'm sure he would, you know, connect with whoever the original uh, artist was. But uh, I mean, sure, look, sure. I don't know how 
one thing I learned is I don't know how shit works. I don't know. I don't really oh, know. Same. You gotta, yeah. You got to be willing to, to, to learn for sure. Yeah. Um, and is this your first time being repped? Uh, yeah, I'm, man, you know, it's complicated, man. It's, I was, I'm going to go ahead and say yes, for sure. It's like a, like a reputable, like with like a real legit place. Gotcha. No, gotcha. No, no doubt about it. I, I had like some industry friends that I knew who were just like, you know, shooting some shots for me, like on my behalf, mm-hmm. uh, which I guess is technically they were like, you know, they were, I don't know if that's technically being, being repped, but I, you know, I don't take that stuff for granted. And I, I definitely viewed it as like having someone in my corner. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had one script that was like being kind of shopped around by this management place like a couple years ago. And like, you know, they had their name on it and they were a management group, but I don't know if that even counts either, but, uh, Gotcha. But I would say that this is for sure, like without a doubt. Yeah, probably the first time I'm like really red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's like a confusing middle ground. That first thing of like, is this official or like? And that was my thing too, because I'm the same way. I'm like, I'm still. I, I hope uh, Jared, my new rep, probably already knows this, but I almost don't want to say it publicly. That like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm just very ignorant about the business at this point, and. Uh, hearing you say that is actually comforting to me because we're in the same position right now. And it's like, I'm sure you have the same mindset that I have going into this new year is like, I'm just going to be a sponge all year (laughs) and just soak it all in and just try to learn as much as I can to, uh, yeah, figure it out. Exactly. Like our, our, our expertise is, is the written word. That's our expertise is what we put on the page. Uh, I'm sure we'll have to be really good at pitching as well, developing pitches, Mm -hmm. you know, that's down the line meetings, which obviously, you know, the people who are repping us probably met us and that's probably why they really liked us. Um, mm-hmm. So they know that we're good in the room, but, you know, I'm sure there's some more room to grow in that department, that kind of thing. But like, first and foremost, it's, it's the, it's the talent, it's the stories that you want to tell. Um, that's our expertise and everything else we have to, we're newborns, you know, and, and that's okay. Like yeah. nobody expects us, to, nobody expects us to, expects us to, to know everything. And the people we're working with probably don't even know everything, honestly. So uh, and that's okay. Like <laughs> it's an ever evolving business too. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm sure in the past 10 years, I mean, maybe stretch it to 15, but probably 10. Um, I'm sure everyone, even the top dogs in the industry have had to navigate streaming, you know, this big oh, yeah. shift in the streaming that's it's changed entertainment like tenfold. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's, for it's sure. really wild. But anyway, um, so you get the nine on the blacklist, Joey's, uh, putting you out there and then so yeah. Gramercy responds to his query yeah they're one of the yeah they're one definitely one of the places that respond to it mm-hmm. um I had about like almost like a dozen meetings um <clears throat> over the course of like roughly two weeks mm-hmm. um and like I said with places that are bigger and places that are smaller mm-hmm. um but I had so there were two places I I had spoken with where I was like really well, I, th- I think one thing I learned, this is really tricky for writers too, especially those who have like really um, dreams of grandeur. It's like, you know, the giant places may not, it's really about the person. Yes. Um, yes. At least from my experience, like recently, mm-hmm. you know, there's that, there, of course you, you kind of want that pedigree that really validates your work, you know, just like <clears throat> on paper, just like immediately validates you in a way. <laughs> Um, yes. but like, you really want that dude, that person that's going to like, that is like, just like a huge fan of you will champion your stuff or just champion you. And it also depends on what you as a writer want, you know, what's the best fit for you. Um, I, like I said, you know, I met the different managers that had different philosophies 
And I was very fortunate to be in a position where I got to kind of hone in on what I realized worked best for myself. So Gramercy kind of, kind of swooped in. Um, uh, yeah, Mitchell, Mitchell, I had a, I had a meeting with Mitchell and I felt like his passion is just like so undeniable. Mm-hmm. It's like, like I, be, I ended up being just as big of a fan of his mm-hmm. <laughs> as he was of my work. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, and then we did like a really, we had like a, we had like a second meeting, like the day after. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and he read like four scripts in, in like two days. I'm like, you know, at that point, like I still had other meetings, but like, and I was still, and it was one of the person I really loved who was from a bigger place, but like, I, I liked the individual and I was waiting to hear back from that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it didn't work out, but, yeah. um, but like, you know, even if it kind of did, it's like, I kept thinking more and more about Mitchell and, and like his drive and mm-hmm. how much of how a fan he was. And just like, I loved his energy and he was someone I, I'd get drinks with on the rag, you know, mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. stuff really mattered to me. And, and I, I realized like, it, I, I, I reached a point where like, it kind of didn't really matter what anyone else said. <laughs> yeah. I come back to Mitchell. I, you know, I have so a like, similar experience with Jared too. Yeah. And like one of the best things that uh, happened to me, I actually had a few meetings too, where people, like wanted to meet with me and mm-hmm. they said, yeah, his script is good. I really want to meet him. And then when we got into the meeting and this isn't to knock them either, I appreciate the the upfrontness, but one of the first things that was said in the meeting is, um, Hey, just like full transparency. Uh, I don't want to rep you. I just want to like, uh, you know, uh, talk. Maybe I can give you some advice. I am a fan of your writing. I just, it's just not for me, blah, blah, blah. And like, it, which would have been good and fine, but me being such a newbie, like you have to understand that like 30 seconds before clicking into that zoom meeting, I'm like taking deep breaths and being like, this could be your moment, man. Like it was like eight mile. Like I was like Eminem in the bathroom before eight mile starts, like about to lose myself in the music, the moment. Yeah. But anyway, uh, but then I met with, uh, and then I had some other good meetings that were like, you know, yeah, you know, just keep in touch. You know, uh, we understand you're still taking other meetings and things like that. Yeah. And I met with Jared and, uh, he actually, the, the coordinator as well of Epicenter sat into that meeting as well. And she was very cool. This woman, Haley, uh, she was super cool. And it was her and Jared. And they were telling me about Epicenter and like, one of the best things they said to me was, um, like, listen, we can tell from your, you know, from your feature that we did read and you telling us about your other projects, they all had only read one at that point. Mm -hmm. They were like, we can tell that, you know, you write these kind of like uh smaller uh indie dramas you know indie dramedy type scripts and uh that's kind of your wheelhouse and i'm like yeah it is and uh they're like yeah we we love it and uh also we would not want to change you as a writer in any way like we want you to be you and that's why we're talking to you today it's so Um, important yeah (laughs) yeah and it's just so nice to hear that because especially for someone like me before i before I placed in the nickel over the summer, which was like the thing that kicked off all of this shit for me before that, I was like, just kind of like everyone else out there, you're just scratching and clawing and like, you know, a quarter finalist in this contest that you're not sure if it even means anything. And like, just like, just, you know, it's such a grind getting there. That's why I just have like the utmost respect and the utmost sympathy for everyone on this journey, because it's so hard. Um, But anyway, the nickel thing kind of kicked things off. And um, I, up until then, though, I'd always had this concern that, like, man, this kind of stories I write are 
a lot of times, like, and I'm not saying my stories, but these types of stories are usually ones that like they'll fare well at like awards season, you know, yeah, and like uh, yeah. be up for different awards. However, they completely tank at the box office. <laughs> it's like no one wants to see these movies uh, except like, you know, film people who yeah, really get the screener later on for FYC screeners. Yeah, they, they yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. Um, so I always had that concern. But anyway, hearing that from them and like now I'm at a place too where I'm getting a little better and just starting mm-hmm. to think of how can I take my style as it is and tie it into slightly more marketable ideas, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that Jared and Epicenter are only going to help me with that. And it's like, uh, but I like that they were like, we don't want to fundamentally change anything, you know, but, yeah. and if anything, I do want their expertise to come in and help me become more marketable, maybe just like in concept, because yeah. I think where like, you know, that kind of dramatic writing shines is character shit. And you can do character shit in a big action movie too, if you want to, not a lot of people do. <laughs> Yeah, but um, <laughs> you could if you wanted to. So anyway, I, I kind of had a similar experience of I took a couple other meetings after Epicenter. I took two. And after each one, I was like, I don't even know why I'm having these meetings at this point, because I kind of know in my gut that yeah. I should go back to Jared and Haley yeah. at Epicenter because there was just something to that meeting. There was a vibe, you know, and it just felt right. So um, I can totally relate, man. Yeah, dude. I think that's like, I, and again, I think it comes back to what the writer wants. Like I, I realized after the meetings um, that something like what you have is like what I want. I wanted someone who didn't want to change me, someone who really appreciated my work, you know, effectively as is in a, in a way, like in, on the macro. Um, and, um, you know, even if they wanted, like, they, even if they had notes or whatever, but like <clears throat> effectively didn't, like they liked me for me. Yeah. Um, and there were some people I met with who, who, you know, it's very interesting. Some, some managers are all about, you know, that one script uh, and others are all about the body of work. And I found it very interesting. And I, I had realized about halfway through, I was like, no, I think I want to, I want to hook up with someone who's like all about the body of work. Like who, who sees, you know, the good, like who digs my other work as well. I think depending on, again, it always comes back to what you want. Cause I know, I know writers who are to their credit, they're always trying to change and evolve no matter how ready they may seem, you know, they're always willing to break things down and start from scratch all over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not one of those people. I try to, I just, I want to stay who I am, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I, I think both things are valid. And what's very interesting is that there are managers out there for literally all kinds of, of needs. But the, you know, at the same time, that's what makes it so challenging is, is getting your work in front of that manager <laughs> who yes. will get you. Um, that's why you have to shoot so many shots, but it's like, and this is my first time, I think this was my first time ever meeting a manager or two where that was the case. Like my other managers I've spoken to in the past, in the past couple of years, um, you know, I don't, I think they were, they were looking for, you know, they, they placed the premium on the concepts and they're always like, <clears throat> and I just kept running into the philosophies that kind of, contradicted what I ended up going with. Um, and it really opened my eyes to find someone like Mitchell. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was, it was just, it was just really cool. It, but basically what you said, like it, it, it's, um, you definitely want to like, you want to grow as a writer, of course, and conceptually in your case, that's, that's your goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you, just like with a spouse, you want someone who loves you for you. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you want someone that you're friends with who, who gets you right now. That's, that's yeah. ideal for someone like myself. 
Uh, yeah, dude, congrats. And uh, so uh, moving on from the representation side and more back to the screenwriting side, wanted to know, you sort of touched on it a little bit, but uh, not really uh, blatantly. Uh, how would you describe your brand as a screenwriter? Yeah, this is really I know we all love that word. <laughs> What's your brand, man? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, um, and I, I tried to, you know, full disclosure, I tried to figure this out before, but um, but then I had the headache today and I I, I, I tried to figure out some answers before the podcast, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the headache got in the way of that. But um, yeah, it's a really challenging one for me. I, I think, I think based on some of the movies I really love this, uh, from of the past decade, like Prospect, Green Room, uh, mm-hmm. Blue Ruin. Uh, uh, Sonya fan. Yes, me too. Huge, huge Big time. Yeah, major yes. fan. The Ritual, other stuff like that. Yeah, David I Bruckner. love every movie you just named. That's fucking rad. <laughs> yeah, all, all the David Bruckner stuff. Yeah. Didn't yeah, you just uh, watch Prospect like a little yeah, bit ago? Yeah, ago. I, I remember you posting about it. Yeah, I watched it like, I think last year. I yeah. was weirdly going to say during the lockdown, but like when has anything ended? So like, uh, but it was sometime early in this pandemic that's gone on for two years. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I was really, really pleasantly surprised with that. Cause I had no idea going in and uh, it was so dope. Yeah. It was such a great, I mean, the tension is just beautifully crafted. Yeah. I, I literally, I've never watched a movie where I will literally never forget the cinematography. I will never forget just how things look in the frame. So, yes. Uh, but basically what I'm saying is that like those things aren't crazy mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. I could write things like I'd still love a quiet place um, mm-hmm. and other stuff, but like, there's just like, there's that, there's that really interesting tier <clears throat> of movies that aren't super indie. I guess they are kind of indie, but like, like mid tier kind of budget or like low to, to mid tier. Um, yeah. I, I think, you know, like uh, to be a film boy for a second, uh, a oh, film so school good. boy. I think A24 <laughs> is doing a lot of those kind of mid-range, mid-budget thrillers, like even like Good Time or yeah, like exactly. Uncut Gems oh, and gems. shit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm right on board with you. Uh, I, I like that. That's kind of how you feel is like where you're fitting in your lane. Exactly. That's I would. I, I have a hard time describing it, but basically, that's my brand of like sure. sort of sort of at least the stuff that I want to write and be known for. Um, I'm all for writing super mainstream stuff. I'm all for, you know, doing the Marvel movies or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm all, like, I'm all, I will not turn that stuff down, but mm-hmm. I think just like, <clears throat> I don't think if I'm just writing without thinking, that's the kind of stuff I'm writing. Um, so yeah. And, and I think I met with a, a few managers who like, I think they really appreciated that. And I think, I think Jared, like your guys, like mm-hmm. it sounds like he appreciates that about you. And that's really cool. Like he, it's so cool. when sometimes, the industry professionals kind of already know your brand before they meet you. <laughs> like they, they yeah. meet, you know, they're meeting you because they kind of get you already. Yeah. Um, so that's like, I'd say whatever that is, that's, that's my kind of my brand. <laughs> that's kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's cool, man. I don't know what I, I'd, I'd just say like, you know, mid, mid budget, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, thrillers exactly. maybe with like, with like an edge. I don't under, know. Under, but Under the radar grounded thrillers. Yeah. Grounded like high. So do you throw crime thriller into that for your writing? Yeah, crime thriller. That's what Clementine is. So I, I, okay. my two favorite genres right are sci-fi or like grounded sci-fi and crime thrillers. And it's funny you mentioned Good Time because I met with an agent who she, uh, she compared Clementine to like Uncut Gems and Good Time. She said oh. like, 
and she's like, you know, it's 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 it induces anxiety uh, in in all the best ways. So, oh um, man, what a compliment! That's amazing. Yeah, I know. I was like, <laughs> yeah, isn't it weird when someone compares your work to something that you just like hold on such a high pedestal yeah. and like you're trying to play it cool in that moment, but in your mind, yeah, you're I like, know. fucking someone else just said that. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> you know? yeah, and um, yeah, so crazy. Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's really dope, and uh, I think that's a good lane to be in too, especially like breaking in because I mean, you can pull off some movies like that for like uh, a fairly low budget too. I mean, yeah. Blue, Blue Ruin is a perfect example. I mean, they they did that all on their own, you know. Yeah, uh, so like in times for sure. Like it, it might even be better to be writing stuff on the cheaper end, contained kind of things, you know. Um, yeah. So yeah. Do you uh, a little off? I, there's two things I want to follow up with before we get back to the writing shit. One, okay. real quick. Uh, so Clementine, uh, yeah. how much are you allowed to talk about that? Because I do know that you. Uh, I'll let you say what's going on with that. No, can, whatever you're comfortable with. Well, it depends on on the question. I I think I can talk yeah. about ninety. I can talk about eighty to ninety percent of what's going on. Uh, yeah, things- uh, if you want to just like give a, a quick log line and then kind of talk about the state of the project right now, where it's at. Sure. Yeah. So Clementine is uh, a crime thriller that's set in real time and could potentially be shot all in one take. Basically, the only like a, there's a pawn shop heist that goes terribly wrong. Like three or four people die, and the only survivor escapes. Uh, she's been shot, and but she owed money that day. The money that she was trying to get from the pawn shop, she owes literally that day. So it's just the for about ninety minutes we follow her. She has to go save her daughter from these cartel loan sharks. Uh, mm. Try to protect her. Uh, she's running from a Sicaria, like a female Sicaria, mm-hmm. uh, and there's some really crazy twists in the middle of there. Mm-hmm. and uh yeah so it's it's just damn really, it's that just sounds like sick you, yeah yeah that's why uh it's the first act is really like there's no there's no breaks <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah just... i i love that though man uh that's something yeah. i really love about the pacing of a safety brothers movie is you don't you don't get a lot of breaks no you know <laughs> uh, i think the same about green room though that's like one of my that green room has got to be it's at the very least top 10 for me uh, all time. It is for me. It's, it's for me too. Yeah. Love it. I love Green Room. Um, but the pacing is just so good. And there's just something about Sonya movies that like, I don't know how he stands out so much, but like the level of like grittiness and I guess the pacing is what really draws me into his movies. But like, man, they're just, uh, there's something special. And I, and I think the same about the safeties, but I've only, I'm kind of a poser safety fan because I've only seen uh, Good Time and Uncut Gems. I haven't gone back and watched, like, I think it's called Daddy Long Legs, and then there's another one. Like, people say that the the older safety features are fucking awesome, too, so wow, I'll, I'll need to check those out. But uh, anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, so, and then that's the description of the script. Uh, yeah. Kind of what's going on with it right now. So, um, basically, there there is some interest from a production company Mm -hmm. and uh, they'll talk with my reps. And the one thing I can for sure talk about is um, I met with a media finance agent from Creative Arts Mm -hmm. who was a big fan of it. And the the way that that connection happened is like a serious culmination of like 
three or four different things. Like I, I placed in the Austin Film Fest, so that was my incentive to go, to mm-hmm. being a semifinalist. Yeah. And I was very, I was very, very fortunate to get into this roundtable with um, Julia Glassy from Creative Arts, who's the who's the media finance agent. Mm-hmm. Um, got lucky again after I pitched my stuff. She wanted to read it, another script, <clears throat> and I hadn't heard back, which is fine. But then when I like, this is why it's important to kind of hustle mm-hmm. you know, for just like for lack of a better phrase um yeah, but yeah, like no. when, when i got the nine she was one of the people that i told about it you know and i was like oh this happened this craziness and that and happened after meeting her at austin after meeting her at austin yeah cool so, so it was I, like a keep in touch type kind of thing yeah exactly i was just like exactly you gotta do it man you gotta do it um, yeah dude <laughs> seriously I, I mean you're your own who's gonna champion your shit if you don't champion it yourself and yeah. it's a weird thing for writers, I think, of being like, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I have a, a thing where I'm like almost humbly wanting to stay out of people's way and not be annoying. And I've had to learn to get over that quick because like, if, again, if you don't champion your shit to people, yeah, no one's going to know you exist. So <laughs> anyway, yeah, by, by, you, gonna... by you taking that swing uh, and then what happened? Uh, so we had a meeting and uh, just really happy that she appeared to be a fan of the script. And I think she saw the, you know, like we talk, like you and I talk about like the indie kind of tier. I think that really helps it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I, if I'm not mistaken, I think a lot of the stuff that she works on is like kind of indie type vibes. So I, essentially she's trying to, she's going to take it to some actors, directors that are, I think a media finance agent, their priorities um, based on what I've read, I'm not saying that this is what she does, but I think their priority is to try to get clients of that organization attached. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this case, it happens to be creative arts, yeah, <laughs> like the biggest, biggest agency in the world. So yeah. I'm not complaining. Um, but you know, I'm just happy that she like, you know, people I've spoken to some producers who literally know her. She knows Scott Haley, the other, my other manager from Gramercy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll they'll probably all link up, you know, and put together a game plan. So, yeah. um, so just, amazing. The timing of like holidays is kind of weird, but it also kind of works out because like by the time the you know the industry comes back, we'll like we'll, we might have like a strategy, which is just like really pretty yeah. early. So, um, yeah, yeah, it could it could work out to your benefit. But uh, man, <laughs> that is so cool, dude! And I'm so stoked for you. And I I hope that everything goes according to plan. And that it all works out. That's that's just such an awesome success story. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Can you kind of talk to me a little bit about like your routine as a writer? Like when it's time to get some writing done, you know, what time of day is it usually? Do you eat snacks while you write? Do you drink? Do you drink caffeine? You know, coffee, tea, just water? You know, do you have an alcoholic drink? Yeah, uh, what, what's kind of going on for you whenever it's time to sit down and write? Definitely a lot of tea and water. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. Like loads of tea and water. Yeah. So my, I, I'm pretty sporadic. Um, and <clears throat> when I, once I get going, it's like I'm finding time. Like I, it's not like a conscious decision. I'm just really compelled to start writing it's it's kind of strange so like i'll have an idea gestate for like a long time so there are some scripts where like i had ideas the idea for that script kind of swirling around for like like months to like almost a year sometimes um but like you know during that time i, I will have written other things 
whose ideas I had swirl prior to that. So, um, and once I get, once I, I'm basically waiting for the story to really click and for it to get really clear in my head and easy, easy to tell. I'm all about really easy to tell stories because the one thing I walked away from college with from my, my screenwriting professor was keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's like priority for me. Like if I can, if it's the simplest story I can tell, that's what I'm going to prioritize. That's what I'm, that's what I'm going to write. So, yep. um, so it's like, if it clicks for me, if it's really easy to, to, to tell, at least for me, then once I, I might like, <clears throat> I don't outline, mm-hmm. which I know is, I know is a sin. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Yeah, um, we're all different. Yeah. I, I don't outline, but if I, I, or rather it's extremely rare. It's like once every like five years or something. Um, and the only outlining I really do is for the opening 10 to 15 pages uh, because I I can't start the script if I don't know what the exactly what happens in those first ten to fifteen. Yeah, and like once I figure that out, I literally can just start and figure out the rest yeah. <laughs> as I go. At least get the car out of the garage and down the yeah. driveway, and then you'll figure yeah. it out on the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And figure it out on the road. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, respect exactly. that, man. Uh, for sure. Yeah. I uh, usually, yeah. Yeah, I was just gonna say about your uh, about what you were saying about you know keep it simple. Oh, yeah. same way and that's something i've had to learn on a few scripts like literally just hitting a brick wall and being like i'm telling three stories at once all of a sudden <laughs> and that's not working you know and yeah. whatever so like uh something i do uh first thing i love writing the log line first oh. and until i can kind of get that log line to be pretty succinct and you know it's going to change it's subject to change but like i, I try to get like what because then i can always go back to that log line when i'm outlining or when i'm writing and say what was this script about at its core yeah it's absolute core you know what i mean because i feel like i'm drifting away from that and i need to just get back on track but i'm the same way and i think some sometimes like especially maybe more novice writers which like you know we're we're still not that far above you know well i consider myself not that far out from that you know like compared to people who've been professionally writing for you know 20 years uh the one thing i think is like uh uh i I really i think sometimes we want to think you know well if you tell a simple story your story is going to be boring and it's like that's not what simple story means like you can still make it so rich and textured (laughs) and layered (laughs) and uh all of that good stuff. But, um, uh, I think Scott Myers tweets this every so often, um, simple plot, complex characters, yeah, just those four words. And that's like something that's stayed with me so much. Um, I, I always try to go back to that, but, um, anyway, uh, lots of tea and water, uh, oh, trying yeah. to keep, trying to keep things simple. Uh, yeah, do you usually yeah. write in like the same space. Um, great question. So there's two places I typically write. It's either in at the dining room. I don't know if we don't really have a dining room, but like, like the do we have like a dining table in our living room here? Mm-hmm. My roommates and I. Yeah. And I usually sit at that table and do a lot of writing. Uh, that's like you know for the really odd hours. If I have an opportunity, I'll go to this cafe. That's about a ten minute walk away. Mm-hmm. Called Republic of Pie. There might be some people who are familiar with that one. Nice. <laughs> I love that book. Shout love out. What is it called? Republic of Pie. <laughs> Republic of Pie. Shout out Republic of Pie. Yeah, I love Republic of Pie. So yeah, when I when I want to feel like 
because I, I don't really mind writing in a social setting. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy it, actually. So I go there, like, you know, on nights and, and weekends, like, when I really want to just, like, just, like, not, I just want to get out the house, you know? So mm-hmm. um, ideally, you and I, when we, when we, when, it, when writing becomes our day jobs, uh, and we we can just do whatever we want throughout the week. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Oh, I'll probably go. You know, clock in at the cafe and just hang out there for a while. But uh, yeah, yeah. Those are the two places. I for some reason I don't I don't really like to write in my in my room. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. I, I feel like I need to be outside. I want I don't want to feel trapped in. You know. Yeah. So uh, and also as far as like snacks go, like it's very interesting. So <clears throat> I sometimes am a binge eater. Mm-hmm. And which means I'm either eating a lot or I'm not eating for a lot for some reason. Uh, so it's like one is, extreme to another. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. 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 <laughs> so for some reason, writing is going to trigger one of those two things. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of time when I'm writing, my brain is is demanding a giant bag of chips at night, and yeah. <laughs> that helps keep me up, you know, past midnight to be writing so I can lose some sleep before I go to work. Oh, perfect. Um, but this last script, I just like. I forgot food existed for a while while I was writing. Uh-huh. So uh, my script last for standing. I, I I don't think I ate at all while writing. Like I was just I was I was that teen water game like crazy. Yeah. I was so much teen water. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it's like it's one of the, it's one extreme or the other. Yeah. And um, like I never, it's pretty rare that I try to set hours at any like scheduling wise. Because um, I I I don't think I I don't know I don't know. I don't know what the word is is for this. The words escape me because you know I'm a writer, but um, yeah, <laughs> I'm just like I'm just like I'm I'm much more just like random with when I start writing. Um, I don't I, I I can't I can't stick to a schedule like that for mm-hmm. for it. I can't be like at nine o'clock I'm going to start. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I, I have to wait for especially for someone who does an outline. I have to sometimes I have to brainstorm about what's going to happen next. You know. Yeah. Uh, and I have to think about what's going to happen. So, and then once I do though, it's like, it's on, it's like five hours of just like losing my mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, dude. Uh, yeah. I've, that's kind of why I include these uh, questions about like routine and process is that I'm infinitely fascinated by the fact that I don't think that you can find two screenwriters out there who are exactly the same no. in their routine and process. No, like all. we're also wildly different and there's no one way to do it. And there is amazing writers out there who I would ask their process and it would haunt me. I would be like, <laughs> that's what you do, you know? And, uh, cause yeah. it would be the polar opposite of what I do to where it's like frightening, imagining yeah. trying to do it their way. Yeah. Uh, however, they're putting out great material, you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah. and then there's a writer who might do it more like me, who is also a seasoned pro and they've been doing it forever. You know, it's just like, it doesn't, it, it's, uh, we're all so different it's just kind of amazing um i think i think um a lot of times i think i do most of my writing either really late at night or really early in the morning mm. um sometimes i'll wake up and the first thing i'm thinking about is that script mm-hmm. and i start writing at like 6 a.m or 7 a.m mm-hmm. and sometimes sometimes i do no writing until suddenly it's bedtime and now i'm like oh, oh i figured this out and now i'm writing that's my I'm favorite walking. Three yeah. hours of sleep. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. You know what is funny? I'm kind of the same way. Mm. And I wonder if it's because like for me, I've thought about this is that like very early in the morning or very late at night, like usually like where I live, it's quiet. 
you know? Mm. And uh, I kind of just think like, you know, the, the, the stresses of the day are kind of, you know, wearing away or you haven't faced them yet. If it's really early exactly. in the morning. Uh, I don't know if there's something to that, but that's kind of how I am too. It's usually like very beginning of the day or the very end. It's very rare that I'm writing dead center middle of the day. <laughs> yes. And if I'm trying yeah. to, I find myself like creeping over to YouTube or just whatever the fuck, you know, just like, exactly. yeah, I'm can't stay focused. Yeah, I think I think we're I think it's because of literally what you just mentioned about like YouTube or something like that. I think we're less likely to do those things at like 11 p.m. or like 6 a.m. Yeah, and so we're more interested in 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 working. I don't or like we're just I'm less compelled to do those random things, you know, to be distracted at yeah. at those very vital hours of the day. So those are my those are my work hours, you know, to to be writing. Um, except for when I'm at the cafe and it's like you know I can I can do it you know at any time but uh yeah throughout the week it's like it's it's like i i don't sometimes i i'm really like an idea might hit me while i'm at work and then i can't wait to get home to start writing so sometimes you know i'll write like a, at a really reasonable hour like six or seven or something like that but it's it's you even if that's the case i'm i'm gonna end up writing from then until like 1 a.m or something crazy uh and i usually get scripts completed somewhere between two to like five weeks usually or like two yeah. to six weeks typically that was, that was actually my next question so are we talking like feature first draft yeah feature first draft um probably with some extra tweaks before i send it to people mm-hmm. um it, it sometimes it can vary from concept to fade out and usually the concept like i said has been swirling around in my head for a while before i start writing um, surprisingly, one of those exceptions is Clementine. Mm-hmm. So I, I was literally in the middle of reading a friend's script and there, they have a scene in that script that inspired the idea for Clementine, like at like eight in the morning. And I was like, Oh shit, that sounds really cool. Mm-hmm. And I literally started writing that day and had like 15 pages done that day. Mm-hmm. And I had 80 pages done in the week. Damn. <laughs> uh, That's amazing. I, yeah, I didn't know how to end it for a while, so I kind of sat on it for like another few weeks, which is kind of weird. But altogether, it was about it was about like a week and a half, two weeks of, of to, you know technically to finish it. Yeah. Um, and what's funny is that uh, people who know me well will know that like last year, uh, Bear Skull was the script that was getting some buzz. Mm-hmm. So Clementine was actually kind of on the shelf because I felt like I was going to break in with Bear Skull. I was like, so many people write that script. Mm-hmm. I I earned that table read. Oh wait, not last year, 2020. What am I talking about? Yeah, uh, 2020. It was yeah, all well, yeah, weird. yeah, yeah. It was it was all about it was all about Bear's Call, and I I just like I kind of put Clementine on the back burner, and then I had a friend of mine give me a really great note that I ended up implementing for Clementine, and I and then I wrote Porter, which is like a a TV pilot. So I I didn't really I wrote Clementine last August mm-hmm. or last July and August. I didn't really share it with anyone until. Um, like February of 2021 or like March because I was so focused on other things. I was like, I don't know if Clementine's really that it, that script. And uh, so what happened is um, this, I had like a few readers for the, uh, I think like five people read it <laughs> before, you know, like this, this November. Yeah. Now it's like upwards of 200 people have read it. I think now wow. since a lot of people um, because, and I'll, I'll give you a fun story. So my, my best friend, Jason, he just for shits and giggles, he he was on the blacklist and he, he wanted to get some reviews. 
and I was like, oh, all right, fuck it. I'll get some, I'll get some, I'll get some reviews too. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I hosted uh, two scripts on there mm-hmm. and I was like, I, you know, I'll, I'll get two reviews for Clementine because, you know, people who read it and like it, they seem to really like it. So maybe it has a shot. I was mm-hmm. like, between the two of us, he's like a WGA writer too. Oh, wow. Uh, it's like between the two of us, there might be, there has to be like a, at least a really strong seven in there somewhere. Yeah. Uh, be crazy. And literally the first review that came back was nine. <laughs> oh my God. And that was on Clementine. That was on Clementine. I was oh, like, that's, that's what? great. I was like, dude, look at this nonsense. A nine. Yeah. Uh, so what was the second review, if you don't mind? Dude. So saying. I got, yeah, no, I'm, I'm done to uh, tell you because it's very interesting subjectivity, especially yes. on the public. It's just out of control. Um, yep. So the first review was a nine. Mm-hmm. And I was really hyped about that. Later that day, I got a six. <laughs> oh, of course. And then I think two days later, I got an eight. And mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, this is this is the real. This is a really this is the real deal. This is a situation." And then I got a seven, and that seven seemed to really like like that seven seemed to like the script more than the eight and nine did. <clears throat> um, so funny how that happens. Nothing yeah. worked. Yeah. I, I, and then I got a five, dude. A five. Uh, so, my first four, my first five ratings were nine, six, eight, seven, five, <laughs> and then the wow. last two were, were sevens. So uh, I got three sevens, I had an eight and a nine, and I yeah. also have a six and five. I have five different scores. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> the sevens are dope. The eight is yeah. very, very good, but the nine is what what like took you home, basically. Yeah. Like essentially, yeah, that's and, all the matter. And you know, that goes out to all writers out there i mean we already kind of know it but i always wonder you know because this podcast is so new if i'm ever currently or will in the future be reaching people who are literally just getting started and this shit is so confusing and it's like eh, what is cover fly should i make one of those what is stage 32 <laughs> and like blah 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 um so like with the blacklist too and all contests just like I, I love sharing the subjectivity part of it because even those of us who have been through the gauntlet with this stuff for many years, we can't explain it either. It's like the <laughs> only way to explain it is that no one truly knows anything and it's yeah. all subjective. And, you know, it has to do with life experience. I shared on the last episode that um, the person who <clears throat> gave me the highest score on my feature suplex, which is about backyard wrestling, mentioned Mm -hmm. oh man when i was growing up there was a few years where i loved wrestling and blah 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 so naturally they gravitated towards that script you know yeah whereas someone who doesn't not not only doesn't like wrestling but also maybe shies away from any kind of like violent uh sports or anything they're not going to be into it but i also had a funny story too because i think this is kind of important to share is that for me, I always thought Suplex was going to be that script, the way that you thought Bear Skull was going to be. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Suplex got two sevens on the blacklist, never cracked an eight. Um, did uh, did on average, got into more contests and kind of placed higher than my script Bellyache, which I wrote later. And uh, Bellyache got a five the first time on the blacklist. And I was like, fuck. And then like a year and a half later, I tried again and I got a six. Uh, actually, the six came after the nickel. So wow. they, they yeah. both placed as semifinalists in the nickel, but then Suplex placed top 50 and Bellyache yeah. didn't. Um, so I'm thinking Suplex is that script this whole t- whole time. And don't you know, the one that got me repped 
and the one that won that competition that script pipeline thing was bellyache the one that i thought was the lesser script the entire time so it's like you know i I think that yeah something i've learned early on and i'm gonna try to carry with me because i'm sure it only gets more confusing the further you get into the industry (laughs) is um just take all that stuff in stride don't put too much weight on anything that happens because you just never know how people are going to take your work. And sometimes it's the thing that you, you 100% thought this is going to be my ticket into the industry is not it. The script that you thought there is no way that's going to be it because I don't (laughs) think that that stands up to my other one. Somehow that's the one that gets you everything. Uh, Bellyache is the one that got me literally everything that I have recently gotten which is very little but it's a great start for me they were both big milestones you know i mean you can relate you know it's a it's a huge milestone moment for any writer but then it's also like i was telling kara on last episode while we were both talking about it is like you know before you get repped you're kind of thinking of getting repped is like that's like the top of the mountain i just need to get there and then it all starts and then you realize when you're repped like oh that's the base of the mountain like you you're just getting started i mean it's a milestone you know and it's very cool but um there's still lots of work to be done you know some people get reps and nothing happens for you know five years and then yeah they're right where they started you know it's just (laughs) uh it's the very beginning and then it's like okay well now you have to just keep up that hard work you know and again i think also if you surround yourself with good reps listen to your reps Mm-hmm. you know uh listen to what they have to say while maintaining who you are as a writer but um something else you know as for screenwriters out there you know just about pride you know pride can be a really dangerous thing and it's like oh my god yeah uh, um yeah it's just you know take notes well you know know that you don't have all the answers even to your own script uh mm-hmm. but while also maintaining sometimes you know your core values about that script like I see what you're saying, but that is one thing that I won't budge on, you know, but also there's other things that like, it's like, just pick and choose your battles, you know, like there's (laughs) things that I've held on to. Like, I don't want to change that. I don't want to change that. And then one day I just think about it and I'm like, why do I care? That's like a thing that I can see how that could maybe help it. But like, I'm trying to hold on to this old way of doing it. So it's it's all subjective, but we just, I think we just need to move about this industry in a just humble, confident, try to be confident. I know that's hard for writers too. <laughs> yeah. It's important. That's why it's so important to like, again, you know, I was, I was really lucky. And also you got to meet with a, with a few managers or a few people yourself. Like mm-hmm. uh, that's like, that's, that's not an opportunity that comes around a lot, you know, where you get to mm-hmm. meet multiple uh, reps and like, you know, get a sense of, their approach and uh because a lot of people will just like sign with the first opportunity they get yeah and it may not be it may not be the best fit it might even be with someone who you know i i had spoken with a lot of managers before who they like they like the writing but they never loved any of my scripts like Mm -hmm. they give me four things and be like i'm a huge fan of yours but like i can't do anything with these and Uh, and suddenly i find someone or a couple people who are like i can actually do something with all these (laughs) mm -hmm. Um, which is why you know which is which is why i'm so excited but um it's it's tough because you know i I think that melon thing is very it's a great analogy you know before you get wrecked you're you're trying to trying to get help on a shuttle to the mountain you're trying Mm -hmm. to get to it (laughs) yes yes you you realize it's bigger than you realize from far away 
Yeah, that is. Yeah, that's so good. We should make this into like a children's book about like getting repped for screen or just the industry in general for screenwriters. But um, (laughs) I make it a pop up book so that mountain comes out and it's fucking huge. but um cool so uh whenever you do finish a first draft uh because i know you entered contests and i'm also curious to hear now that you're repped how you're feeling about contests because i know that's starting to change for me a little bit in my mind but um so what do you do usually when you finish a first draft do you like put it away for a little bit and don't look at it try not to think about it and then come back with fresh eyes maybe like a week or two later or do you jump right into a rewrite while it's all fresh? Um, do you send it out to friends for feedback? Um, when you finish a first draft after that, like two to five weeks, what's the first kind of move you're making? I usually, um, so I do a lot of rewriting as I'm writing. Mm-hmm. I usually need, I need things to be, it's really funny considering it's a first draft, so it's not going to be perfect, but I, at least within the context of, of, of my journey through the script, I need I need to feel like it's the best it could be right now. So I, think I, we're, I think we're similar in that way. Are I, you? I usually have a, a, like a sort of polished a little bit for a first draft because yeah. I rewrite, I rewrite while I write. And if something doesn't yeah. feel perfect, I'm not the kind of writer who can just push through and be like, I'll fix it yeah. later, which yeah. a lot of people can and all the respect to you. Again, yeah. no right or wrong way of doing it. But uh, for me, I'm yeah. just way too, like, obsessive. Yeah. Why am I not surprised that we have a lot of things in common with uh, the process? Dude, it's weird. And we're getting, like, repped at the same time. Like, it's it's no. crazy. When I come to L.A., we got to kick it. We got to hang out. Yeah. yeah. Right but anyway, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm usually, not to mention, like, when I start writing that first draft, that's sometimes that could be like the third take of, of the idea anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so it feels like it's a, it's like a third draft. It's pretty rare that I, that I ever go with the first idea that comes to mind. Um, I'm looking for that fourth or fifth, I, you know, that, that elevated elevation of the idea of just like making it more interesting, more unique, <clears throat> adding more twists. And that's before you even start writing, you know, um, mm-hmm. What's interesting is, is I think I think I have trouble outlining because I can't. I think I have a harder time doing that kind of thing when I'm outlining and trying to make it more structured. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas it's it's a lot more fluid if it's not an outline. So mm-hmm. I can I can take my time to to try and find those the next evolution of that idea, mm-hmm. make it more interesting continuously, and then when I feel it's ready, that's when I start writing. And for some people, that might that literally might equate to like a second or third draft already. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, and then I'm rewriting as I go along, like, like you and I said, and bef- so when I hit fade out, I, I usually go back and tweak some things to make things a little bit more cohesive, um, to add some things like to set up things better, pay off things better. Um, and then, and then, yeah, like, like pretty soon after that, I'm, I'm sharing it with people with warts and everything and <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, trying to get some, try to get a first round of feedback, try to get like three or four people, to check it out yeah. and then after that i make some changes based on their feedback and then i go wide mm-hmm. and i try to hit a lot of people yeah. and see what they're saying mm-hmm. and then based on that then i do like another some more i guess essentially tweaks where like you know i don't really move things around too much because i you know i I've, i i try to work smarter and not harder 
so you know the structuring has already been like you know perused and i i've already kind of vetted it before i even started writing so i i feel pretty at least now after like all these years of writing i feel pretty good about where it's at mm-hmm. so yeah after that after that like the second round of feedback hopefully with like you know anywhere between five and ten people um then i started looking at like sharing it like in contests mm-hmm. or you know with whatever industry professional I, I know so like you said you don't outline right but then you said there are some things that you're doing before you start writing pages. Mm-hmm. So like, what is that stage like? Like, it's not like an outline stage, but are you just kind of jotting down like certain plot points and like maybe a twist you want to throw in and like some setups and payoffs? Like, is that kind of more what you're doing? Like on like a word document kind of thing? It's, I would say um, 90% of it is, it's just up here. It just stays there. I don't gotcha. drop things down. I don't know what it is about me, but whenever, the more I write down stuff that isn't a script, <laughs> but mm-hmm. is about the script, the, the more I lose interest in that script. Um, you know, the more nebulous it is, it's, <laughs> it's more interesting to me. The more fluid, like I said, it is. Yeah. The more likely it's going to be a more compelling read. Um, so Sometimes I do write like I'm trying to think of stuff I write down because sometimes I do I definitely write some stuff down. It's just not a lot. It'll be like literally a paragraph. Okay, um, yeah, that's that's really all I was wondering too. We don't have to dig into it, but you were how you how you said you didn't outline. I was just curious what that does look like, the things that are pre-pages. But no, that makes sense. Like I I started out not outlining, then I got into outlining, and then I had to realize at some point that I was over outlining. <laughs> and that for me as a writer, there is something to organically finding things as I write mm. and uh, like things just enter my mind because I think I'm playing the scene in my brain the way that my film brain wants to see it happen, which exactly. that's why we're all writing shit, right? Is because we want to see the things that we want to see. So we're writing them ourselves. Yeah. Um, I want to like, as I'm going, that's kind of what's happening. Yeah. And I had to, I had to figure that out. So now my outlines are like very bare. I try to just set up like, then from here, the character will go here or like the midpoint, there needs to be something that raises the stakes. What is that mm-hmm. going to be in this story? And I'll write like a two sentence, three sentence thing. That's like, this is kind of the gist of what'll happen there. And then it's like, you know, uh, going into the third act, you know, what's kind of happening. So I'll, I, I've learned to really temper down my outlining to yeah. keep it more, keep it simple again, keep it simple. But keep then there's simple. some people who, <clears throat> well, you know, when you write a treatment for a studio or something, you kind of have to outline the whole shit. Yeah, I can, I, can, I mean, I can, I can do that, but um, the script itself is just going to end up being very different from whatever yeah. that is. Cause um, you're going to organically find all that cool shit. And like, for me yeah. too, another thing I learned outlining too much is that I'm not taking the time to organically find these characters as I write them. Because yeah. I can do all the character bio bullshit that I want. It's <laughs> not the same as going through and writing that character's first three to four dialogue scenes yeah. and getting a feel for like, life. oh, this is how they behave. And like, <laughs> this is how they contrast with that other character that they appear with a lot. You know, and things like that, man, you organically find. But, okay, cool. I just wanted to clear that up. But that's cool. And then, uh, so next, man, we're going to get away from screenwriting. And what are some of your hobbies outside of writing? Yeah, some of my hobbies are, uh, I love playing poker online, like online poker. Nice. Texas Hold'em? 
yeah hold'em for sure yeah Texas sweet hold'em. uh yeah I, I that's the only one I play yeah. I play it for free like on poker stars I don't care um mm-hmm. I, I've sometimes I play with Sean like I've, I've gone over to his place oh nice there. yeah yeah we're, we're big into poker um I play a lot of chess online with my my bestie Jason he and I play chess a lot mm-hmm. so I love chess my rating is like a 1300 1400 and like you know rapid or whatever um what else i love working out go to the gym <laughs> love weight training specifically i'm not about that cardio life yeah no, <laughs> not about that life uh, yeah i'm the but, opposite i go for runs and i skateboard then yeah. and, and i really want to get into weightlifting and just getting stronger but yeah, yeah right now i'm all about the cardio life but that's what's up though because i think that you probably might relate to this too though that like with writing it's like it's so much more than just the writing. Like for me, it's like, I got to, and of course the older I get, the more I have to like try to make sure I'm trying to eat right. And the more I have to make sure that I'm like getting up and moving around and getting my blood flowing, you know? And it's like all of those things kind of interconnect into our ability to write well. Yeah, for sure. And also like the environment you're in, Mm -hmm. your dynamics with like whoever you're living with, your job, uh, the stress you may feel, like all those things matter. You need to really try to get your life in order. <laughs> uh, I mean, that was a huge thing for me too. Like four years ago, I gave up drinking because it was kind of a problem for me. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, and that was like a thing was that before I quit, I kind of had this hunch. I was like, if you want to chase this dream and you're dead serious, there's no way you can keep doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. Cause I would just go party with my buddies and partying would turn into like kind of a reckless evening and we're drinking way too much and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, yeah, it's like if you want to have that, if you're really about this shit and you really, really want this dream, you for me personally, I'm only talking about me, uh, you're going to have to give this up. There's just no way that these two things can coexist. And four years later, now that kind of all these things are starting to happen from these four years of quietly grinding, you know, since I gave that shit up, I can say I was right. I was totally right. Like, there's no way I would be doing this right now at this quote unquote level, which is just like being repped now. Yeah. Uh, there's no way I would have got here if I would have kept doing all that shit. So yeah, your whole life kind of has to be in balance as much as you can. None of us are ever going to be perfectly balanced, especially right. us right. screenwriters. We're all yeah. psychos. <laughs> but um, you know, just I'm I'm sure. yeah. <laughs> yeah, you gotta put in an effort. Yeah. First of all, congrats to you, man, on, on four years of uh sobriety and here's the 40 more <laughs> or whatever, however long you can take it. Yeah. I'm trying to take it all the way. So yeah. Uh, but I appreciate that. I'm very happy for you, dude. Uh, I'm Thank glad you. that it had such a positive impact on your, on your, you know, on your creativity and, and on your process. And so I'm really, I'm really happy about that. And oh, it's, it's, it's always very interesting how like, uh, we can, we can be worried about like how changes in our life might impact our process. Cause we, you know, we are habitual creatures sometimes. Um, like for instance, I, so I, I have a OCD and I've had it for about eight year, eight-ish years. Mm-hmm. And I finally started taking meds, uh, and back in like May, cause I had a really, really terrible bout with it. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was concerned that like the meds would throw off my creativity. Cause when I, cause when I'm writing, mm-hmm. I'm also really, I have really obsessive thoughts and I'm really obsessed with the story. Mm-hmm. So it's just sometimes there's like a really dark place I obsess about and that's very uncomfortable and very unfun. And that's where the OCD is. But um, mm-hmm. 
but somehow the meds have not like they've taken away the bad part of the obsession but like i can still be creative and obsess about the story mm-hmm. and um i'm very happy that it, like it, it, it i kind of get the best of both I, I get i get to eat my, my cake and eat it uh, i get my cake and i get to eat it too yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as far as like mentally so sure um so it's made me a little less afraid to like change things up uh knowing that i'm i'm just like so compelled to write like nothing can really like stop me like i used to i used to work on set a lot and for 12 anywhere between 12 to 18 hours like days like working on set and would still write when i got home (laughs) because i'm just so so compelled to write all the time so you need uh, that you need that if if you want to become a professional in this industry even how much i write now i'm kind of nervous in this year 22 2022 of now having a rep and like needing to wanting to and needing to break into the industry i'm like having this panic attack inside like i need to be writing more don't i so like i'm (laughs) freaking out like i just finished a pilot and now i'm like immediately starting on a feature and being like wow i'm just gonna bang this thing out but uh, i mean i'm a slow writer too though so we'll see how soon that feature gets done i'm actually um you know what's funny is that I'm kind of in the opposite. I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm very fortunate that when I'm in a position where my rep wants to take multiple things out. Uh-huh. So it's like, I'm not, uh, I'm always going to be generating material because that's what I'm compelled to do. But like, I, I kind of just, I feel like I just kind of need to sit back and see what happens. And mm-hmm. then and I'm sure I'll strategize eventually with, with my guys and they'll be like, Hey, you should write this kind of thing or, mm-hmm. you know, that, and, and I'm sure I'll, I'll, I'll eventually get to that. But like, for now, I feel like I, could, I need to just like, just chill and see what happens business wise with certain, certain things. Sure. Um, so I'm kind of just like, Ooh, I can just like sit back and not like, you know, I'm not going to, I have to, I'm going to do a lot of work myself, but for now, yeah. it feels like it's best to just like, one thing see what's up with clementine see what's up with other stuff that my refs want to be out there Um, and like you said you're a person who naturally you're gonna sit down and generate content still but it's like without that added anxiety right now because you're like all right i've kind of made it to a plateau for a second that i can take a pit stop yeah chill for a second you know again not not all the way up the mountain but like i've I've hit a, a a moment where i can chill for a sec yeah uh, same thing with like uh, not having to worry about contests too much. I think we, you and I were, we, we kind of touched on that a little bit earlier, but like, I just like, yeah. I have less incentive to enter contests, at least for now. I know people who are up to still enter contests, but um, I may not be one of them. <laughs> Dude, that's how, that's how I am too. And I'm glad you remembered this because I wanted to ask and I forgot, but um, that's how I'm feeling too, being, you know, repped for like two, three weeks now. Yeah. Um, that's one of like the best parts of this thing of like recently getting repped is thinking about contests and thinking about, I don't think I'm going to enter them. Yeah, I'm like, I'll, I'll probably still enter like the nickel just like yeah, to do it because it's like such a big deal. And like maybe Austin, but like outside of that, and that's not to knock contests. The only thing I'm knocking is the grind of contests <laughs> and like feeling like you need to enter, which is also like, I wouldn't argue against it. I I am not pro or anti-contest. I can say that. Um, I am however you feel and whatever you want to do and whatever you think is going to benefit you, uh, do that. It's Again, we're we're playing in a game that has no rules. Uh, There are a million ways to get in. 
and uh, contests are just one of them. However, I do think contests, the good things they did for me was they gave me an idea of where I'm stacking up in the pool of unrepped writers. Uh, Cause I think contests are mostly unrepped writers uh, entering. So it kind of gave me a little boost of confidence whenever I could crank out like a semifinalist uh, yeah. spot in like, I'm not even talking nickel. I'm talking like one of the more, the, you know, not as serious. It, it sounds bad saying <laughs> it like that, but like one, one that's not so notoriously competitive as the yeah. nickel is kind of like the gold standard. Yeah. Uh, followed by Austin. But, you know, placing as a quarter finalist or a semi in one of those and getting that little boost of like, okay, like I'm starting to believe that I'm supposed to be here. Uh, and now it's just trying to continue to build on that part of my craft. Yeah. Um, it's also, uh, I think it's really important for a lot of writers to realize that like, you know, that validation or that vetting system is like just part of the equation. You have to like cultivate relationships with people um and when the time is right you now let's say you are a finalist in the contest or if you get like an eight on the blacklist or something like that then you can go to someone who trusts you an industry pro that you've hopefully developed a relationship with who can trust you as a person and be like hey this thing happened and then hopefully you get to kind of go from there and then, like you said you kind of have to be something you said earlier which i wholeheartedly believe which is like you kind of have to be your own manager in a way mm-hmm. and then hopefully you have friends that will also sort of be your manager to help you find a manager and everyone has to be your manager, including yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So you, you, well, you just have to make yourself available and out yeah. there. Yeah. And again, this, this podcast started because of screenwriting Twitter. Mm. Um, I started getting really into it during the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, before that, I didn't understand Twitter, man. I had a Twitter forever, but like, I could just, I never understood how to use it. And once I found the screenwriting side of it, you know, slowly, but surely it started being like, Oh, there's like a whole community. And then all of a sudden you feel like you're a part of it. Cause you know, it's like, you were like starting to like find people that you're like, Oh yeah, that's my friend. And then you think about it. You're like, that's just someone I know on social media. (laughs) That's like, but then over time it's like, no, that is my friend. Like legit, like we're friends, you know, I mean, me and you are friends. Yeah, that's right. Like, uh, but yeah, Anyway, just for people who maybe have found this podcast and aren't on there, it's getting on screenwriting Twitter. You don't even have to be a huge part of it or anything, but like it is just a really cool thing to like just help keep you going uh, to see everyone else's struggles, to celebrate successes. And like you said, you know, with other people kind of partially being your manager, too. I've had some great things happen to me just from like being on Twitter and just like knowing other people. And like, it's amazing sometimes. I mean, for me, Joey was one of the main people uh, and Joey Tuccio. Tuccio? Is that how you say it? I have no idea. If it's Italian, that's what it should be. Okay, cool. I think (laughs) it is. (laughs) Um, So yeah, uh, from Roadmap Writers, though, like, and Dorian Connolly, um, just reaching out out of the kindness of their hearts. But like, have you ever just been overwhelmed with like, why is this person being so nice to me? Like, they're, (laughs) They're not getting anything in return. And like, you run into quite a bit of that on screenwriting Twitter of people who are just like, yeah, let's just like do a script swap and like, you know, give each other notes. And like, they end up being like a really kind person. And you're just like, yeah, oh, that was really yeah. positive. That was great. That's happened a lot. I, I joined Twitter in 2019 because the only reason I joined was um, because of script pipeline. I was a semifinalist and 
I caught wind that they announced the finalists on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I, well, I need to know if I made it. <laughs> so I, I hopped on there. That's so funny. That's the origin of your Twitter. That's my first follower on Twitter was was and I followed them because I just wanted to know. I just wanted any 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 inkling of information whatsoever to know yeah. if I made it. Um, and uh, just kind of stuck with it, and then you know started making some friends. So I started chatting with some people, and yeah, I've been really fortunate to to just like <clears throat> be really good buds and really good acquaintances with a lot of. A lot of cool people on there who are also writers who know the struggle. Mm-hmm. I've been able to make fans and become a fan of other writers as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just been really cool, and also not just writers, but like some industry people as well. Yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, it's, been, it's just yeah. this invaluable tool at this point. That like, I would encourage writers, even writers who aren't the most social people. You know, you can come on there and just be a lurker and still yeah. learn and still learn a lot yeah. about like the like. I mean, uh. John Zauzerni, his threads yeah. about the industry are like, you know, that's really valuable shit. You know, like yeah. pretty much every time he tweets one, I always stop and read it. If, you know, if I'm not super busy, uh, cause I always know there's going to be some nugget of information in there that is going to help me. Yeah. Yeah. You know? No, that's for sure. And, and, um, other like, you know, writers who have been doing it professionally, at least for a while on there, um, some showrunners are on there, TV, writers like a bunch of people so yeah um, it's just you know and also you, you kind of get to like you and i you kind of like you, you meet people that you're kind of in the same boat with and you want you kind of watch yourselves grow and all that jazz so yeah um, that's one of the coolest parts yeah watching people grow on there is so fucking awesome yeah uh, and, uh, seeing people get their big breaks and stuff is just like it's so legitimately awesome like real time it's just like the coolest thing you know <laughs> yeah and you've been following them like you can point back to like eight months ago where they like had some like horrible rejection and they, you could tell they were like bummed out about it and yeah. then it's like little did they know you know eight <laughs> months later they would like get their first rep and be like on top of the world and uh yeah it's just really dope and and i can only imagine where it's gonna go like i can't imagine like in 10 years when some of our friends on screenwriting twitter are like hey i'm finally a showrunner are running shit yeah exactly yeah it's, it's, it's like, gonna be so... my, my movie my the new terminator that i wrote it's gonna be yeah <laughs> dude i i dream of the day that that <laughs> happens where i can go to theaters or turn on the tv and i know so many people who are behind these projects yeah, you know that's cool. just so exciting uh anyway uh so david what is a recent accomplishment of yours that you're proud of could be screenwriting related, uh, could be just in life in general. I mean, obviously the getting wrecked is a, is, I was going to say, I almost didn't ask the question. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's like, it's almost too easy. Uh, I'm trying yeah. to think of fun things. And everything happening with Clementine too. I mean, yeah, and it doesn't have to be anything different from that. I mean, that's, that's pretty huge. You know, what's funny is that when I, when I first moved to, to LA, I had a job interview at Creative Arts on my birthday mm. <laughs> to be like a, a coverage auditor. Um, oh, okay. So I was just like, it'd be really funny if I was involved with Creative Arts in some way in the future. Yeah. And that's kind of the case now. It's pretty wild. Yeah. Uh, as far as like, just because that, that answer is almost too easy, you know, being repped. I can't think of anything in, re- in like real life, honestly, other than like I lost some weight, you know, finally. Yeah. Um, I got an extra hole in my belt. So that's pretty great. 
Hey, that's a big step from one hole to the next. I, it, it, hey, man, I think I think they're roughly ten pounds. Like I think they represent ten pounds or something like that. So that's that's pretty exciting. Oh, is that right? Wow. I think so. Yeah, I could be wrong, but I think that's yeah, uh, that's that's fair. I mean, just thinking about it, I want to I want to believe it. So we're just gonna roll. Yeah, we're just gonna believe it. No, uh, yeah, no, that's awesome, man. That's super cool. It's uh, not an easy thing to do. I think a lot of us during this pandemic too. Yeah, you know, uh, had a struggle with that. So yeah, so many sure. COVID pounds. Yeah, um, dude. And just like some of the friends I made, like becoming, fr- I you know becoming friends with John Zazerni, mm-hmm. um, buddies with him, and um, and and like some of the relationships I already have that have just like taken the next step. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think probably the biggest takeaway from this year, even even more so than, or just as much as getting wrapped, is literally the relationships. Um, becoming friends with more people, mm-hmm. taking relationships to the next step, that kind of thing. So uh, just really happy about the people I've met, like including like yourself and just oh, like well, thank really, you. just really pleased with some of the relationships I've been able to create and friends I've made. Um, mm-hmm. Like this is like one of the best years in my life as far as like getting to know people, whether it's on Twitter or on Instagram, you know, mm-hmm. kind, of, kind of thing. Even Zoom like this, I've had a number of Zoom meetings with, you know, new friends who write. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I can totally relate to that, man. This last year for me has been a year just like that of meeting so many new writer friends. And it's so refreshing to have people in your life who can understand your struggle. Because yeah. my closest friends who yeah. aren't writers and my family don't know what the fuck I'm talking about <laughs> when I talk about any of this stuff. Yeah. So, um, and, and they should, you know, it's understandable. So like, it's just cool to have those people in your life. And yeah, I just feel really honored to, uh, have met the people I've met so far and look forward to meeting the ones that I'm going to meet. But yeah, yeah, man. Uh, so I wanted to ask if you could give a few words of advice to your fellow screenwriters, especially to those who are just getting started, what would it be? You can say as little or as much as you want. Um, man, you know, the, the phrase, all of the above is like, so basically as far as like what a writer has to do to get noticed, um, it's really just, man, where do I even begin? Obviously you should just like write cool shit. Yeah. Don't try to, don't try to please everyone with your writing. It's not Mm going to work. Um, please yourself. For real. Yeah, exactly. As I was For just real. about to say, prioritize pleasing yourself. Yeah. That's where the good stuff's going to come from. And hopefully it'll get in front of someone who gets that, who understands that. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far like the, you know, the mantra of all of the above means like, where do you, where do you try to go to get noticed? And I, it's everywhere. Coverfly, blacklist, mm-hmm. contests, mm-hmm. Uh, stuff with roadmap. Yep. Literally do it all. And realize it's it's a marathon. You have to develop those relationships that you create. You have to develop those avenues. Mm-hmm. Um, like you know, being involved with creative creative arts was literally it's because I one you know submitted the script to the Austin Film Fest like mm-hmm. in January last year of mm-hmm. 2021. That script was Porter. In September, I was a semifinalist, mm-hmm. so I had I had extra incentive to actually go. Mm-hmm. And being there meant I was able to go to that round table and hang with Julia. Mm-hmm. And then later, you know, you get an eye on, on the blacklist, which, you know, equipped me to, to hit her up and be like, hey, do you want to read this? And that's why I'm here now with, you know, with Clementine kind of be, being involved. 
Yeah. So literally all like if I didn't do any one of those things, mm-hmm. um, it wouldn't be happening. So you really just kind of like you gotta, you gotta spread your wings and, and kind of, and, and it can be tough because it can be really expensive. You know, everything I just mm-hmm. mentioned costs money yes. there, except for the round table, but um, yeah. like you gotta, you gotta budget for what you want, you know? Um, yep. And you, uh, you know, if you have basically no budget, just look around the internet because there are some free things that you can do to put yourself yeah. out there and uh, strategize you know, just really, really strategize, but you're right. Like if you do have a budget where you can technically, you could maybe make a sacrifice here to squeeze in that. Yeah. You gotta do it. Cause that's what a lot of us had to do. You know, we had to give up a lot of things that we like to usually spend on because we're trying to now put money into this dream, you know, and it's an investment. Yeah. yeah. And I would say that for those writers who are like really young, like early twenties, I would say use this opportunity to try and work in the industry in some capacity, mm-hmm. um, preferably as like like an assistant in some kind of entity, like in a production company or agency or whatever. Sure. Um, because you know a lot of a lot of writers get started that way, mm-hmm. just like like getting to know people, yeah. just like working. Yeah, the, uh, the infamous mailroom. Yeah, yeah, like exactly. an agency. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, um, and. Or like working on set, um, but like trying to work as like an office PA at some point and, and going, mm-hmm. if you want to work on TV, then you know, writer's assistant, yep. um, people who are like really young are more likely to get those avenues. Like if mm-hmm. you're mid twenties and beyond, it might be kind of harder, but like early, early to mid. So yeah, you just got to shoot all the shots, man. You really and a do. lot of those gigs too, as uh, Kara was talking about in the last episode, a lot of them don't pay great out of the gate. So that's kind of why it's more right. like a young person's job exactly. rather than someone who has a couple kids. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. that's, that's exactly right. Like you, yeah. like if you're that age, you probably have like six roommates and you're just trying to survive. And, yeah. and, and Hey, like, you know, it's going to, it's going to turn into something. It's better to do that now than it is like when you're, you know, my age or <laughs> whatever. So yeah, uh, for sure. So yeah. And yeah. So it just like, just like doing everything, just do it. Just do everything. Just do contests. Um, if you want to be picky about your contest, that's fine. Um, take a shot on the blacklist every once in a while. It's not cheap. I get that. Um, you just got to do, do it all. And, but like, while you're doing that, you know, there's the craft and validation aspect, and then there's the relationship aspect. And when the time is right, you want to like, which is kind of what I did. Like I, if you're like a finalist in the contest or something like that, or like you get like a recommend mm-hmm. from a coverage uh, you know, coverage service or an eight or above on the blacklist, but like you spent the last year being like just like a decent person, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is what yeah. you want to do to make friends, honestly. Yeah. Uh, just be open and be decent. Yeah. And when time is right, you know, those things are going to connect. Um, and you may have to do the work to connect those things. Be prepared to. Don't mm-hmm. be shy. But uh my, that's what I mean by all of the above. Do do it all. Just do it all. <laughs> Dude, I love that so much. And you're so right. Like so much of it is just shooting shots in every yeah. direction that you can. And then like, you know, if you're lucky, like you and I were, um, you might get like, you know, uh, someone from like roadmap or someone from like script pipeline to start also helping you shoot shots yeah. and yeah, you got to exactly. keep shooting your own. But some like for me and maybe for you too, those shots that they shot ended up being more effective than my shots. Yeah. yeah. But um <laughs> but you you're right too that um, you know, with 
uh, making sure your craft and your, you know, quote unquote, like connections type mm-hmm. things can mesh together at the right time. Because yeah. also like you, uh, like an important thing to note too, is timing is so important. Oh yeah. Um, like I, uh, there's this horror story from a, a podcast I listened to some years ago and it stayed with me about a guy who made a sci-fi short and I watched it and it was really, really good. Um, but it, he raised 70 grand, $70,000 to shoot like a 14 minute short. And, uh, and it was so professional looking and so beautiful. And, um, he immediately started getting generals and like, he had like a general at, um, bad robot. He had a general at like, uh, like a couple, like big, big studio players, like, uh, Paramount and like, you know, shit like that. And in all these generals, they were like, uh, hey, so we loved your short. We think you're really, really good. Um, what else do you have going on? That infamous question, you know, and he <laughs> literally had nothing besides oh, that short. So Ooh. he had to tell them that, you know, I don't have anything. And they were like, is there like a feature version that you could pitch or anything? He's like, no. And um, this podcast was taking place six years later. And he was still in the same spot that he was in before he made the short because yeah. all of that buzz came and all of that buzz went. Whereas like, I think where me and you are lucky because you said you had like a dozen generals in like a two, three week span. Yeah. I was kind of the same after the nickel, I started getting all these generals, but mm-hmm. luckily at that point, my craft and my body of work had gotten to a certain level where I was ready. If my opportunity does actually come from one of these meetings um, I can confidently give them all my other work if they like it. Cool. If they don't, whatever, yeah. but um, y- you gotta be ready for your shot. You know, there's nothing scarier. I think than getting your shot when you're not ready. <laughs> I know that's like, that's one of the, t- like, I, I'd love to be able to be one of those people. Sometimes I I'm always like, you know, I, I hear this guy who, who won a contest with his first ever script or something stupid or like mm-hmm. his third ever script or whatever. Mm-hmm. and you know sure that sounds cool generally those people are, are kind of our, our age already so it's still it's still kind of interesting how like they've they've built you know they they have a they have they have a life essentially yes um, yeah but yeah but anyway it's like you know th- this is like the good end of that double-edged sword for me of like having written for so many years is that by the time i by the time i was it was lucky enough to get those meetings i had already had like four or five scripts that i felt really good about Mm-hmm. We're kind of already doing our own things. And, and as a matter of fact, I was able to create those uh, professional relationships because of those other scripts already. Mm-hmm. So by the time I was hitting the people about Clementine, they had already known, like they'd read Bear Skull, they'd read Intergalactic, they'd read Porter by then. Yeah. And they already knew. And so, you know. Yep. So I'm just really lucky that I was able to use all those things to my advantage. Yeah. I think the same thing happened for me with the nickel. The fact that I had uh, two place in the same year two features place Mm -hmm. which um i think that's what made me a little bit of a like oh god i hate even talking about this i think it made me stand out a little bit to where like it got a little (laughs) attention and i say that humbly because i entered the same two scripts in 2020 and neither of them placed at all (laughs) uh they didn't place whatsoever 
And then a year later, I entered them both again, which some people would be like, that's dumb. They didn't place last year, but I'm just, I am dumb. So I, uh, I re-entered and then good things happened. Yeah. New readers and like, it's all just so random. And I think that maybe that falls in line with shooting all your shots. It's like, if you happen to have the money, which I did at the time, fortunately to enter nickel twice with two scripts that didn't get in last year, if you were dumb enough to spend that much money, uh, go for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And shoot your shot. And for me, it paid off. Like none of this shit would be happening if that didn't happen for me starting in like August when I placed in the nickel. So yeah. it's just, and like you said, it's a chain reaction from that point on where yeah. if this wouldn't have happened, then that wouldn't have happened. And that also wouldn't have happened had I not done this, you know, it's just all of these things at once. So it's just trying to stay on board and just be proactive and, you know, be your own champion, but yeah. Anyway, man, <laughs> uh, do you have anything you want to plug? I mean, you really just, it's kind of hard to ask screenwriters that because it's like, we just talked about everything. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? Uh, I, I don't have anything to, to plug yeah. really just, um, I just thank everyone for the support. I think all the people who read the script, um, I think all the, all the managers I, I met, they were all really cool. Um, and you know, big or small, it really doesn't matter. It's just, it's all about the individual yes. uh, that you're meeting with. And I, you know, I, I just really appreciate all the love on Twitter for people who read Clementine, who read Sky Below, uh, Porter, just like all, Bear Skull, all those things. So yeah, um, I'm just taking this opportunity to thank everyone. <laughs> really. Yeah, man. Uh, I, I, I don't take any of that stuff for granted at all. So just super grateful and I, and I appreciate everyone. Oh yeah, man. I love it. Um, well, cool guys. That is David L. Williams. And, uh, yeah, dude, appreciate you coming on and, uh, just wishing all the best for you in the coming year, man. I'm really excited to see what you do. Same for you, dude. Let's go. Let's get Billy on, on screen. Let's get on Netflix or something. Fuck yeah, <laughs> dude. That's the dream. Yeah. All right, man. Take care. All right, man. All right. Well, you know, that was a great conversation. I, if I might say so myself, uh, David is just one of the nicest dudes, I think, in the community. Um, talented guy, humble guy, uh, very insightful, and uh, he had a lot of wisdom to share, and I hope you guys got something out of it. I know I did. And uh, that's really it. I just want to say thank you for listening, and uh, I actually have a very good guest booked this week as well that I think people are going to be excited about. So stay tuned for that. And that's it, guys. Have a good week. Have a good two weeks. Have a good three weeks, however long it takes until I record and I edit and I get the next fucking thing out because I'm very slow. So, um, yeah, guys, have a good one and take care. The Social Screenwriters Podcast. The Social